So you've been a Christian for six months, a year, five years, ten years, but you've had difficulty making disciples. Why? Is there something wrong with you, or is it the people around you? Today, on Interman Radio, we discover the secret ingredient to sharing your faith. Welcome to Interman Radio, where we help you accomplish more than you thought you could through Christ's power working in us, regardless of what your pastor said last week. So guys, let's drop the excuses. Let's pick up our Bibles and prepare to win. All right. Mark, for a lot of Christians, there's a there's an elephant in the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's something that we don't like to talk about. And it'll come up sometimes for Christians who are honest with themselves that are struggling with this at times. And that we'll be singing songs about uh, sending the gospel out and bringing in the sheaves. Oh, yeah, and, I like that and, you know, and I, Okay, that's an old, oldie but goodie. And even some of the newer songs that we might sing that talk about witnessing to people. And, and we'll read the scriptures about sharing our faith and making disciples and all that. And for a majority of Christians out there, and I'll put myself in this camp, it's a bit of a sore spot because the question in the back of my mind and a lot of people's minds is, is how come I'm not successful at making disciples? Mm, yeah. We sing about it. We read about it. Mm. We talk about it. We go to strategy sessions. We, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know but, but where, where's all the people coming in? Right. What's, what's, is it me? Is it them? What's, what's, what's happening here? Well, that is an, a real issue that... All Christians have to deal with, whether they see themselves as the kind of people who are extroverted or, you know, sometimes we say that's not really my gift, but, you know, the scripture doesn't break this one out. In 1 John and uh, chapter 2, John describes Christians in three different steps of maturity. He describes them in, uh, say, verses 12 through 14, he describes them as children. He describes them as young men, and he describes them as fathers. Okay. Children is pretty obvious. You know, we have children. Children need us. Children are primarily consumers, right? Right. Yeah. Babes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And that's how we come into Christ, is we come into Christ as babes in Christ. Paul talks about, you know, you guys, you should be moving on. You still need milk of the word, not solid food. But that's where we have to start, is we start as, as children. Eventually, we need to move up to the stage where we can kind of take care of ourselves a little bit in, in Christ, where, where as young men, he said, you are strong. You, you've learned some things. You can walk. You can talk. You can, uh, you can start to, to live your faith. In fact, John says in that First John 2 passage, he says that the young men, they have overcome the evil one. So there's some things that they've overcome in their lives. There's some, right. They're, they're, they've, they're fighting a spiritual battle. They're having some victories. Yeah, they've made some progress here. They've okay. definitely grown. But they haven't grown as far as they need to grow. Okay. Because John adds another layer to this walk of Christian maturity when he says there's fathers. Now, young men are strong, but... Fathers are the kind of people who not only can take care of themselves, but they can care for others. And there's a big difference. And as we grow in Christ, yes, we come in as children. We need to be moving to the stage of young men where we can kind of care for ourselves a bit. And we need to go on to the stage where we can start to care for someone else. 
Well, we have to have everything all lined up, though, to be a good spiritual dad, though, right? We have to be have to have all the ducks in a row. Yeah, I know that's how it was with me personally. I yeah. had to be, I had to pretty much have it all together before I had my first child. Yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just ask ask our kids; they'll tell you. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> I tell my oldest that I still have to practice on her because you know I've got five others who depend on her. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mess it up, Kimberly. That's right. All right. So, but it seems like there are more children in the faith than fathers, and that's maybe that's just the way it's always going to be. You know, it is. Okay. It is. But at the same time, those children can't be content staying children. The purpose of a family is not to keep them children. The purpose of a family is to grow those children into young people and those young people into adults who can raise their own children successfully. And that's what God wants in the faith as well. Yeah, there's always going to be kids around. But there should be that training process going on. When it comes to us in the process of sharing our faith, that is a step that we cannot bypass in moving from children to young men and to fathers. Okay, so wait a minute. I think what's just happened here is that spiritual maturity has just been redefined for a lot of people. Because a lot of times we'll we'll look at a person and say, well, they're a mature Christian. Boy, Mm. they're, they're such a mature man of the faith. Okay, define maturity. In this instance, it looks like maturity is defined as someone who is able to act as a father in the faith to others by caring for others. Uh, In other words, knowing a lot of scriptures, going to church for a long time, having wise answers to situations, educating your kids the right way, that's not necessarily spiritual maturity. What you're saying that First John is talking about is spiritual maturity is the ability to make disciples? Well, that is definitely one measuring line. Okay. I mean, a lot of us didn't grow up until we started to have children. <laughs> and then that caused us to change our character. That caused us really to become less selfish. That caused us to put somebody else first. It's exactly the same in Christianity. If Christianity is primarily about you... You're still a child in Christ. Okay. When Christianity becomes more about somebody else than it is about me, that's definitely a milestone in that road of of growing up. But we hear a lot of, of, um, I don't want to use the word excuses, but why not? Let's do it. Because, and there might be some legitimacy to these when it comes to making disciples. We'll, We'll say, well, society is more hostile to Christianity today. Yeah. And what do you say to that? You know, those are just things. Those are the elements we're working with. Yes, society can... It is more hostile to Christianity today. That's absolutely true. Okay. People aren't as bright as they used to be. How about that one? People are certainly not as well educated and not as well trained to think for themselves as they used to be. Okay. That's that's absolutely true. Okay. People aren't responsible. Uh, Young people in particular will say, well, of course, as if we were responsible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but we'll say, well, people aren't responsible nowadays. You can't even count on them to keep an appointment with you. They don't. I'll bet I have two that just don't show every week. Okay. On average. People are distracted with entertainment. Everyone is so caught up in what the the reality shows or whatever is happening in the entertainment world. They're just not interested in spiritual things. How about that one? Uh, Mark? Hello? Are you there? Hello? Mark? 
Hello? I'm sorry, what? I was on Facebook for a second. <laughs> <laughs> you were texting somebody. Yeah, like, all right. That's absolutely true. We get we get fed media all the time. We are thinking somebody else's thoughts from the time that we turn on the radio, flip on the TV, or listen to podcasts. Uh-huh. We're thinking somebody else's thoughts. We're totally distracted all the time. How about people are apathetic? You talk to people and and... This has been a frustrating point for probably a lot of parents, okay? Yeah. And then as you, you look at the younger generation sometimes and we say, they, they don't care about anything. They're apathetic. Right. Is that true? Yes. Okay, That's so, absolutely true. So we've got some built-in excuses here. We certainly do. And if you're looking for one, there is no lack of good excuses as to why you should not be successful in sharing your faith. But part of those things can be, can be seen two ways. You know, just because people are, some people are apathetic doesn't mean all people are apathetic. Okay. Just because some people are hostile to Christianity doesn't mean they all are, but it does put Christianity at the forefront of a lot of conversations that maybe it wouldn't have been just a few years ago. Okay, you mean a lot of the societal issues that we're Absolutely. talking about today? When we're talking about gay marriage, that's, that's an issue that is on everybody's mind right now, and that issue is about Christianity. Yes, that's an open it door. Yeah. It just depends on whether or not we're going to see those things as opportunities or whether we won't. Certainly people are distracted with entertainment, but some of those people are tired of the reality TV. They want reality. Mm-hmm. Some people want to know truth. Some people are apathetic because they don't have a reason to live for anything else. It just depends on how we see those circumstances. But what did we expect? Jesus said the fields are white for harvest, but he expects us to see them that way and then go get them. But he didn't say everybody that you're going to run into is absolutely going to become a Christian. Actually, he said the opposite. He did. Yeah. He did. Let's, uh, let's look a little bit at Matthew chapter 13. Just a short parable that Jesus told in verse 45 and 46. He said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had... And he bought it. Now, I don't really care about pearls. That no, that does not. No, not that doesn't mean, I mean anything to me. Now, our wives might, but we love our wives, and if they like pearls, then that's cool. Then they're okay. Yeah. But I, I am. You could put, you could put a fine pearl, a pearl of great price, yes. in front of me, and I couldn't even tell you if it was real. I mean, it doesn't make any difference to me because I'm not in the pearl business. I don't have any. I don't have any knowledge. I don't want a pearl. Okay. So it doesn't have any value to me. See, it has a lot of value to this merchant because it's his business to seek fine pearls. So when he finds one of of great value, well, that's a big deal to him. He goes and sells all that he has, and he buys it because that's what he's looking for. So implicit in that, Mark is that there's a lot of junk pearls out there and this is not in any way calling people junk but there's a, there's a lot for that merchant there's a lot of pearls that just don't pan out for him yeah yeah that's right I mean, and there's a lot of people that you're going to talk to that are going to say no to the gospel i mean that that's that's just the way it is there are more people who are going to be willing to talk to you about the gospel than who say no but but there are always going to be people who say no. Jesus told the parable in uh, Luke chapter 8 of the soils. You know, he said the sower went out to sow and the soil or the, the seed landed on four different kinds of soils. He said the rocky soil, it sprang up, eventually produced nothing, it died. Right? The, the weedy soil, it sprang up, produced nothing, it died. 
The hard soil never even sprang up. And on one of those, the good soil, it eventually, of course, germinated and bore fruit. But three out of four produced nothing. Did Jesus prepare us for that? Absolutely. And so this, the, the, uh, the merchant in this case, he cares about pearls. That's his business. Yeah. Okay. So we've got all kinds of other obstacles. Okay. So we, but we, in, this, in this instance, we've talked about a few of them. But I'll throw a few more at you. Tell me what you think. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Because these are good. <laughs> these are really, really good. Okay. Okay. Pencils at the ready. All right, <clears throat> all right folks. You ready? I got you covered here. Uh, I'm afraid to lose a friend. That's if, a legitimate concern. Okay. You're going to lose friends. I'm afraid to be exposed as a hypocrite. Like if I talk to somebody about Jesus yep. and I maybe have wronged them or I had a business deal that went bad or maybe maybe you know there's family relationships, I'm afraid to be – I'm afraid to talk about spiritual things because I'll be exposed. Uh-huh. Probably true. Okay. Yep. Legitimate concern. Uh, uh, okay. I'm afraid to be exposed as a Christian. <laughs> Also legitimate. That could happen when sharing your faith. You think that might? Yeah, okay, it, could, it could lead to that. <clears throat> I'm afraid I'll be shown not to have all the answers. Count on that one, yeah. Uh, but that's okay. good. All right, good. all right. Uh, I'm afraid to lose social standing. I, I might not be president of the Realtor Association. Ooh, uh, you know that's a that's a hard one for me. I don't have a I don't have a lot of love for realtors, and I'm not a realtor as a profession. So that would be but difficult, <clears throat> but. Uh, probably depends on uh, on what social you stand in, but yeah, I okay. think that's a legitimate the concern. Local chamber of commerce might not. But okay, all right. All right. Uh, I'm afraid to spend time and energy doing something that's hard. Yes, I'm afraid of getting involved in people's messes and not knowing what to do. Yes, I'm afraid it will cost me time and energy. It and will. You're killing me. I'm a, <laughs> how about this? I'm afraid I'll fail. Big one. Okay. Talk about that. Big one. Well, all of these are, you know, an extension of failure in some way. You know, I'll, I'll fail a friendship. I'll fail as a Christian. I'll fail as a, as in my social circle. All of these are an extension to some degree of a, of a fear of failure. Okay. And those are legitimate concerns. I think we have to recognize what they are, though. They're just that. They're legitimate concerns, but they're all afraid for the same person. Uh, yeah, they're all afraid I, about me. They're yeah. all afraid about I. Yeah. All of all of these concerns, I'm afraid I will be exposed. I'm afraid I won't have all the answers. I'll lose social standing. I'll have to spend time. It's going to cost me. Uh, all of those things are absolutely true, and they are legitimate fears, but I think we have to stop and Take a step back for a second and realize what we're being afraid of. Being afraid that I'm not going to grow into the character of Christ. I mean, if we put all those things in in that context, we're saying, I don't want to grow up in these areas. I'd rather stay here. I'd rather stay here. And the only thing that causes us, in, in my experience, to move past where we are and really you know, kind of bite the bullet, so to speak, and and grow beyond where we are is the love that we have for other people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, a segment describes love in this way, beginning in uh, in verse 5. He said, love does not become or does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. Hmm. See, and all of those excuses that we just talked about are 
what I'm going to lose, what I'm afraid it's going to cost me. Love does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. And when it comes to sharing our faith, love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. And it endures all things. That really is a great measuring stick for Christian maturity. Okay, so let's do a little exercise real quick, and this is completely off the cuff. So let's 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 go to the first one. I'm afraid to lose a friend. Right. Where in First Corinthians does it address that one? Mm. I'm afraid to lose a friend. Love what does not seek its own. Okay, I'm afraid to have to spend time and energy on something that's hard. Well, how about to endures all things? Okay, I'm afraid that I will not be shown to have all the answers. Would that be seeking its own again? Uh, well, you know what? That might be arrogant. Love is not arrogant. I don't have all the answers. I'm afraid I'll lose social standing. Social standing, social standing, social standing. Oh, does not brag. Okay. So really, we can take that list of the I'm afraid's ofs. And in 1 Corinthians 13, it really boils down to do we love or not? Ooh, that's – yeah, I like that. That's awesome. All right. Okay, so so really the answer then, the the solution in starting this is loving God and people more. And it sounds like there should be a large Chinese gong. Yeah. Right uh-huh. here. Like, yeah. oh, I got to love people. Well, that, that, makes, that makes really that's, perfect sense. That's yeah. not cliche at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But it is absolutely true. And I got to love them more than I love me. The biggest obstacle that we have in sharing our faith is not the people around us. The biggest obstacle we have in sharing our faith is us. We're afraid that we're going we're gonna to be a failure at it. We're afraid that it's not going to work out. We're afraid for a hundred different reasons. I, I, I. And we got to get I out of the discussion. And I's just going to have to take a back seat to you. Where do we start? When it comes to caring about, about anything, we generally, our, our emotions are going to follow our investment. So Jesus said in Matthew 6, I think it's 19, he said, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right. So wherever we put our investment, that's where our emotions are naturally going to go. Just like we were talking about the merchant seeking fine pearls. This guy's invested in pearls. And so when he finds one, he's emotionally attached. He goes and sells all that he has and he, and he buys it. So the question then really is, how can I invest in other people to make them more valuable to me and thus put myself in contrast as less valuable okay. or my own comfort or, or security. Sounds good, right? And, yeah. okay, okay. okay. So, how, okay. How? You know, I would, I would do this maybe a couple of ways. First off, I would consider why I love somebody in the first place. Do I love them because of what they give me? That's not going to get us very far when it comes to sharing our faith because you're going to give a lot more than you get. I don't want to downplay the getting because the relationships that come as a result of sharing our faith are absolutely fantastic. It is so exciting and it's so fulfilling to be able to have that kind of, of bond with people that, that you went on, out on a limb for to snatch them out of the fire. Having said that, though, if it's just a simple balanced numbers game about, you know, it's going to take me this many hours or this many dollars, to nobody's going to go through with that. It's, it, it's, and come out ahead on that. <laughs> right. On that. Okay. Yeah, it, it doesn't work that way. 
So first off, we have to really have, a, have an understanding of why people are valuable to us. It's not for what we get from them. It's because we love them because God loves them. They're valuable to God. They have intrinsic value with God. And because God loves them and we love God, we will love them too. You know, uh, well, again, First John, John puts that in, yeah. Yeah, in exactly those terms. He said, if we love the Father, we love the child born of him. So to say that, you know, I really love God, but I don't care about the guy in the cubicle next to me, John says, you, you better check yourself right there. Because if not, he says, you've become a liar because you can't do that. You can't say, I love God and hate your neighbor. So number one thing, we love people because we love God. Number two thing, now let's start to invest in them. Let's start to make them valuable to us. One of the best ways I know of to do that is to pick one. Pick Bob at the office and then make Bob a part of your daily prayers. If, if, I'm, if I sit down and I say, Lord, you know Bob, I want Bob to become a Christian. I want to have an opportunity to share the gospel with Bob. Lord, I know you love Bob. And because you love Bob, I love Bob. And I want what's best for Bob. And Lord, would you give me an opportunity to talk to Bob? You know, if you do that over and over, not only does the Lord answer those prayers for opportunity, but all of a sudden Bob means a lot more to you because you've invested in Bob and you have taken the time to see Bob the way God sees Bob. And so your love for Bob now is based on what it should be, on his spiritual well-being, rather than, you know, if I could just get him to stop stealing the donuts at the office, right. you know, the way a right. Christian should share. Right. Then, <clears throat> so that I could totally have my maple bar. <laughs> it's a totally different focus. Right. Right. And that also sets our mind in the right perspective as well. In other words, it's setting our mind on things above in a way, because... In praying for Bob, we are keeping Bob's soul at the top of our mind, yes? That's right. Okay, Mark, so where now? We're praying for Bob. Yep. God gives us that door of opportunity. Yes. It opens up, and that moment comes, and Uh, uh, what do we do now? Well, now what we need to do is we need to we need to have just just the right approach. Oh, you mean like a seven-step program that makes making disciples easy? That's yeah, in your sleep exactly. Oh, it just right. happens all all by your all by itself automatically. Oh, actually, not exactly. No, not exactly. Okay, but there is a right approach when it comes to sharing your faith with the people around you. All right, there is an approach, and it's the same one that Jesus used. And we're going to talk about it next time on Interman Radio. <laughs> 